Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, It starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just... um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. I'm going to let you talk. So do you have any questions or anything? Um, are we like, when do you edit, do you edit like the beginning and end or how does this work? Am I on right now? Well, I just hit record. I, if I feel like we need to take something out, sometimes I do. I try not to edit the last interview that I am like in the middle of editing right now, for some reason, our voices are not lined up. And every time I say something, I have to cut the sound wave and move it for some obscure reason i don't i can't figure out i've never had to do that i see usually it's really really easy to edit and just if there's something that needs to be taken out of um you can cut into the software is easy to use there's that to it all right great well i'm good yeah let's let's uh just rock and roll let's rock and roll whatever you got going on Okay. okay Welcome to the Green Organic Garden Podcast. It is Saturday, April 18, 2020. We're just about to come up on Earth Day, April 22nd, 2020. So I had an awesome Earth Day guest um, before who's back here to talk to us. And I know she's a listener and she's just like all of you listeners out there and just shares our passion for creating a greener world and we're going to love every single golden seed she's going to drop every like second. So I won't say any more. And here to talk to us from Washington, from Olympia, Washington, right? Is Heather Wood. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled today. Oh, I'm so glad. And you're going to talk about bees and all the cool stuff you've been doing there since the last time we talked, right? Yes, indeed. Well, why don't you tell, I have got a huge number of listeners since November. Like I was on Melissa Norris's pioneering today show. And so there are so many new listeners out there who um, probably haven't heard our first interview. So go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. I can do that. Uh, I went, returned to college uh, a little later in life. And when I graduated from the Evergreen State College, which is a liberal arts college here in, in Olympia, Washington, 
I was taking uh, a biodynamics class uh, about bi biodynamic farming, just different aspects of biodynamics and including beekeeping. And we watched a, bunch, a series of films and I said, okay, this is what I want to do. So I, I, I started a nonprofit. Uh, it, and of course, everything happened in sync with, you know, a lot of other events. Like I got, we got to uh, host Corwin Bell with back of backyardhive.com and he is in colorado and he's created and designed a, a natural style beehive that bees might prefer and he has you know done all amazing work with honeybee genetics so i got to host him and i started this nonprofit to build natural beehives for people and to kind of teach and bring awareness to how to catch honeybee swarms. And I just started, but I, instead of building the, the straw hives that I wanted to initially, I met up with Corwin Bell and I started building his design, his top bar hive. And uh, so, so I still have the sun hive, which is the woven hive in my business name and my nonprofit name, but I'm, I've really built over just about probably 150 top bar beehives now for the community people in the community and so that is pretty phenomenal for me because i didn't know anything about woodworking and i got a proficiency uh right before i graduated learned got my certificate in beekeeping from the local association right before i graduated and just kind of um started jumped right in where did you learn how so you learned this from i guess from corwin Oh, yeah, I guess I, I kind of learned, you know, we hosted him to come and speak. And so, you know, that drew different natural beekeepers in the area. So I kind of through my class and just through meeting people, I became aware of this movement of natural beekeeping that, uh, you know, is, is more geared toward the idea of local organic farming and as opposed to the giant monocropping. And then it's, you know, kind of uh, opposed to the artificial insemination of queen honeybees, right? Because invariably what I've learned over the last, this is, I just graduated in 2014. So I think this is my uh, sixth year. And what I've learned about genetics, I knew it was important, but I really didn't, hadn't done a ton of homework. And I'm still kind of on a, scratching the surface, but it is about genetics that the male, because the male honeybee, unlike any other species we know of, the male honeybee is derived from an unfertilized egg. If you can imagine all of those worker bees you see, some, you know, there's tens of thousands of bees in any given colony. Most of them are female. You know, the females are the ones out foraging. The females are doing all the work, laying the eggs, of course, the queen. And then the males, uh, represent a small percentage of each colony and they are derived from unfertilized eggs. They only have the mother's DNA. So that puts them back, you know, exponentially in need of genetic diversity, of strong diversity, strong genes. And in nature, a queen bee, when she goes out to mate the one time in her life, you know, maybe for a couple of weeks, she's mating with up to 20 drones. That's what you call the male honeybee, a drone. So she's got tons of genetic of genetics there whereas now that we have been uh you know dependent on these monocrops we needed there became a need for artificially inseminated queens because we we go through bees back quickly now and they die faster at a faster rate for various reasons that we could talk about but 
Um, so now we're dependent on these uh, artificially inseminated queens. Well, artificially inseminate the queens. They don't, they don't take sperm from 20 drones, you know, from nature, right? They, they, it's not time efficient. Right, so they're just taking a couple sperm from a couple drones that are probably related to the queen. So invariably, when you buy that package or you buy that queen from a big producer, you're buying an artificially inseminated queen who's inbred. Okay. Now, there. This is. I, they didn't teach this in the entry level beekeeping class, and I didn't learn this for a couple years, without you know doing some of my own, a lot of my own research. So I really want to bring this aspect to the public um, because it's not, you know, though there are several layers to this and I'm going to continue, there are a few layers, but it's not that difficult. You know, we need to know this and we could be teaching this to our kids and put this in grade school curriculum. You know, when we start designing our own curriculum for public schools, we can do that. Um, but so, so now you've got these, uh, if I may continue. You've got these. Uh, you just keep going. You are just dropping. I knew it. I feel sticky from all the golden seeds that are coming out of your mouth. Jackie, you're golden. You're golden. Thank you. So the so now we've got these uh, artificially inbred queens, and they they send these out. We all buy these packages. All the all the beekeepers, all the big commercial beekeepers, and tons of the the small beekeepers because we're out of bee. They're dying, right? So we're like grappling for for bees and we're we're buying from these producers who are sending us invariably inbred queens with their low genetic diversity they only have a few different males uh, sperm in, in their sperm so now <clears throat> here's the one of the crux the crux is that when when uh, a queen bee is laying eggs, she chooses, or the colony chooses, which kind of eggs she's gonna lay. Is she gonna lay more workers, etc., or do they need drones? Well, when, they, when she does, they don't need drones, they need workers, so they tell her, however they decide, she's gonna lay worker bees, female bees, okay? So she starts drawing sperm out of her sack, and she, fertilizes the, each egg with that sperm and, and it just gets all kind of mixed up. It's, I don't think she knows which sperm she's drawing from out of those 20 say. Uh, but when she's artificially inseminated, the sex alleles of the sperm match up too closely, right? To her own DNA. And it turns those would be female worker bees into mutant males. Oh my God. Very interesting, right? When males, yeah. So, so okay, mutant males. Well, and isn't going to be the bonus at the end of all this is like the more flowers you can plant, the better it's going to be. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yes. But I'm going to talk about how that's COVID COVID appropriate at the end because, like, I went to the nursery where in Montana he is not allowed to sell bedding plants yet, and my mom can't hardly keep herself from her nursery in New York to buy bedding plants where they're for sale like crazy. So I was like, well, I think they should be essential because of the bees. Back to you. Yeah, they are essential because of the bee. They are essential, and um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not even going to speak to that right now because it's, you know, uh, but. I don't know, because I don't know how to solve that. I don't know how to solve that. 
I know. But let's hear about the beast. This is fascinating. I know none of this. Okay. Okay. See, and, and, it, and it's something that uh, they're not teaching. And so who's in charge of the, uh, the information we're being taught? I think the states have to okay what we're being taught at the university. And so we, you know, to change the curriculum and beekeeping, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, uh, politics involved in getting anything changed with this. But nonetheless, this is why this is one of the things I've done is gone around to all like say all of the or many, many, many of the um, libraries in King County and taught this information. I created a poster board uh, game. So to to kind of drive it home now. Here's what happens. Those work all the bees in the hive. They know they can smell that mutant drone who would destroy the, the hive in the colony. It would go through and just wreak havoc on everything. They cull it out before it has a chance to hatch. So then when, if you took out a, a, a bar, say a top bar of comb, where there's been an inbred queen laying eggs, they call it shot brood because there are so many holes in that brood comb where they've gone through and culled out those mutant drones. So now, you know, you, so you could do a measurement. You could say, oh boy, this is, you know, 50% shot brood. This hive ain't going to live through the winter. And it's probably just going to be eaten alive by the wasps in the fall. And that's just, okay. So, so that's just, there it is. I mean, I, yes, the pesticides are awful. Um, the overdevelopment is taking away habitat, which is why we need hives but, and, and beekeepers. But um, this is just a new element. So um, I decided not only, you know, and every year I just get this, I have to ask myself, okay, what is it that the community at large needs? What do we need to do this year? And a couple years ago, it was, I created this this poster game where I have, you know, we hang up different colored queens and then the audience or the participants get to Velcro the drone. It's kind of like a mating ritual, the drone. And then we have little swatches of color that represent the worker bees. And so what does it look like if they're all one color, right? That hive is not going to make it over the winter. Okay. So that that's the education. I've written songs, honeybee songs. Um, and this year I said, well, what do we really need? Because beekeepers are in this, even natural beekeepers, what we strive for is getting these genetically diverse queens in a colony. And yet if all the bees are gone and didn't make it over the winter, you know, how do we produce them? Um, I decided it kind of came to me that I would call on people to become new beekeepers. And uh, really, I've collected funding um, to purchase the all the materials to do the the build the hives. So I've just built. I have them all in my apartment right now. I'm built putting the lids together. I've called on volunteers who cut all the pieces out of the lumber, and um, let's see what else. And we've got we've ordered packages, and so there are 22 packages coming. That is 22 new colonies and about 18 new beekeepers in Western Washington in this, you know, I don't know, within an 80 mile radius or something that are going to be new beekeepers. And we've agreed to kind of be in this club where anyone can participate. But the, the core 
is, is that we support each other in helping each other with new queens. If we catch a swarm out of one of these hives and we will share that with each other or with some, give it away. Because, uh, you know, someone told me years ago and I, I just couldn't see it because I, I thought, well, we got to make money somehow. But the truth is what, what Tiffany told me is that back in the day, people gave honey away to each other. People gave bees to each other. We did not have this huge you know, economy stuck, you know, centered around artificially inseminated queens. And so, and, and I, this year it dawned on me, yeah, you know, we need to have people and beekeepers because they're not, no, we didn't, it's not occurring to us as a group yet. I don't, I, I don't think it's beginning to obviously that we need to give this stuff away to each other. I know a lot of people growing new queens and diverse queens that costs a lot of money. So it's not about even a sliding scale or for poor people. It's, it's about a culture of, and a need and to get diverse Queens to the public and to teach everybody, every child, every, everybody who has an inkling of an interest, how to sit a beehive on their property and leave it alone and let the, let the bees go. So that's that's what we're doing this year. Hello. You know I love this <laughs> so so much. And but Mike and I have struggled so hard to get bees to go. Like we have the hives sitting here, but our bees have either swarmed or they something happened to them in the fall. I don't know if they eat you know, like, you know, they go, if our neighbors spray chemicals and that's what happened to them, but we would love to have bees just because we want our own honey. He would, I know Mike would love to give it away. Like he's always talking about, you should have your tablespoon of honey today because it's so good for you. And just, I think this is a great idea. And then the other, like, so back to the COVID thing that we're in. So we're in the quarantine. Here we are in Montana. You know, we don't have very many cases because I think our governor did a great job of shutting everything down. So we're, you know, and people want to reopen and a lot of people don't believe in it. And my theory is to get those people who don't believe in it, like we should get them doing something like we could double every guard. So every gardener who there is like, what if we said, Hey, if we helped you do something this spring, could you grow more food? Like all bet gardeners are out there. They either like, I don't know how many people tell me, well, I don't have a mic. Where am I going to get my deep beds from? Or where, you know, I need fencing. Like Mike has spent the last two weeks, I think just as soon as he could possibly get in the ground, just, working on our fence because in Montana you have to have fence. So there's people out of work that maybe could be like, you know, I don't know how you would can do it social distancing wise, but we're talking about doing stuff out of doors. Like I just think there's so many projects exactly like you're saying, let's try to get some local food. Let's get, I love the bees and bees are so good for our environment. Like so many people on my show have talked about if you, I didn't real or guests who have come on who said, I didn't realize how much, it would change my production by planting flowers, like the mm -hmm. pollinator border at the Brooklyn Grange. Like if you're growing vegetables, you want to have flowers because they bring in the pollinators, they bring in the bees, and that's going to make you are going to get more produce mm -hmm. from your same plant. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You got it. So, so I love the way you're training these people. Are you charging people for these 18 or how are you making it or how are you even just paying for it to be done? Is it all volunteer work or I knew you have a nonprofit. Yeah. So the nonprofit, um, 
I have a nonprofit and I have a fiscal sponsor now that I, or I changed fiscal sponsors uh, through with them going through Shunpike, which is kind of an art thing. So they will uh, support projects uh, with art involved. So I've got a couple, I've got um, a project with Christopher Gerber, who's because I do put beehives on rooftops, he's painting an entire rooftop with big honeycomb on it and the side of a building. So we're kind of doing fundraising that way. Uh, I got a little job and I'm funding, I'm really funding this project this year, which I am thrilled and absolutely thrilled to be able to do because, you know, I think Jackie, everything that we do, people see and it can become a new, you know, a template for others to, to think about and, and kind of vision, envision and, and uh, inspire people. But you know, this is what I do, and it's really it's important, and it's my passion, and 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 I need to share it, and I need to do it. So, I uh, I also have, and we love your passion. <laughs> we can hear your passion shining through. And you know what's so interesting? Kara Bellamy, who lives in Florida, so you two are like as far on opposite sides of the country. And I just know my listeners are everywhere in between and around the globe, and they're getting inspired. And you two are both. She just sent me uh, an amazing video of what she's got going on down there. But you are both, um, you know, big community-minded, beekeeping, help your neighbors keep bees and share compost and grow flowers. And I just love your passion. Thank you so much. I I love it. I love it. So uh, we've got a couple farms that are taking these. These we've got bees going on rooftops and. Um, just all over the countryside. So on the 29th, the bees do come in. And what I've done because of, okay, so we need the bees in nature, bee, honeybee colonies do divide and that's how they grow in number, right? So I took the corn bell design top bar hive that I was making with, and they all, they're all made with windows so that you don't, aren't tempted to go into the hive, right? But I took out the windows because to insulate around the window latches, it's just too difficult and it's a heat loss in the winter. And we want to, um, really the, the chore is to nurse them through the winter and you know, try to get them to live through the winter. Uh, so we want to insulate the hives. Uh, and, uh, and, and because I want them, these are these hives already, the swarm throwing hives you could say, but I, I made them a few inches shorter um, so that uh, they, so they would, fill it up and swarm. And that's really what we want. We want the bees to divide, multiply and divide. And when there's stores, when the, when the hive is, is full of stores, they are confident that now they can let half the colony go and the old queen will go with them and they will, you know, they'll hatch out the new queen and, and now they can just have a fewer amount of honeybees in there and they feel confident that they've got enough stores of food, etc. Um, but so this hive is a little smaller. We'll encourage them to do that a little, a little more. So and uh, yeah, so that was one. That was that's one difference and in this year's batch of hives. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's exciting and every year it changes. It just kind of morphs as we go. So we'll look forward to what how this works and keep you updated on on. I guess in the winter, see how the bees are doing, or maybe next spring we'll we'll find out. I feel like I missed something. So, did you say that your sponsor you're paying for it, or like do people buy the hives from you, or oh, okay. how, did I miss that part? Oh. Or did you wait? You said there was some pipe thing. 
Is it a social media funding site? Oh, I see. Shunpike. Okay. Shunpike is the name of a uh, fiscal sponsor and they they sponsor nonprofits and other groups who are doing projects around art. So I've decided to use them as my fiscal sponsor in this non in this nonprofit we did. And that's uh, and and so that because I do artistic things too, you know, writing songs about honeybees or doing, you know, creating these poster games or um, doing murals with with other artists. So I mean, we're using them as our our fiscal sponsor when it's art related. Um, but yeah, I, I so pe some people, people have the option of kind of join having a yearly joining membership fee if they wanted to. They paid 45 bucks for the year which, you know, uh, is kind of a, a token commitment. It's, it's a commitment, right? And, um, but it, this year I did fund all of this myself uh, at my job, uh, excluding the, the volunteer work that uh, Scott Bishop has just spent, you know, hundreds of hours with this nonprofit cutting lumber for me to spec. So, um, but yeah, this, you know, the, um, this year, the, the uh, private donations really came from f several memberships and then, you know, my, my job passion thing. Perfect. All right. Well, do you want to tell, like, do you have a website that people might want to check out? Or? Yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about that I am missing? I don't think so. Uh, I think that the, the, Website is urbanevergreenbeesanctuary.com. And uh, that I also have the Urban Evergreen Bee Sanctuary on Facebook. And uh, and so there's some blurbs out there kind of about what we're doing and the passion behind this and, and what's, you know, what's going on. And, you know, if you want to be on the list, if you're in this area, um, get on the list. And I guess even if you're not in the area, we could figure out how you can have bees yourself. And um and then uh let's see so i think that's it that's the website and the facebook i'm not real active on the website but you know sometimes i get on there and and do some work but and you know i'm building beehives right now so <laughs> i've got i've got to finish these lids up by the 29th and and deliver them before then and then i'm going to spend the entire day with bee, bees in my van delivering bees to people Where do you get the bees from again? Uh, I got, you know, I got them from a company, a local company in Monroe uh, called Snohomish Bee Company. And that's where I bought the packages. And they're traveling probably, I, I, I should know exactly where they're traveling to, to pick them up. They're definitely, I, I mean, I, I believe they're artificially inseminated queens. So you know, like Corwin told me years ago, bees are better than no bees. So if you if you don't have bees, get get some bees, even though they are packaged bees, and work with it. So in order to make this program work, and you know, uh, I am doing that, and I am encouraging them to swarm, and you know, we also took it, went to where we were sponsored last year to take a class at Western Washington University with Sue Kobe on how to grow new queens that are, you know, it's not necessarily supernatural. 
but it is scooping a, an egg out of a cell and putting that in um, in a vertical position so that the honeybees will grow it out as a queen. Uh, let's see. So there are different projects kind of in the making to get new queens that are local growing, but the biggest and the best thing is to get an exponential amount of new beekeepers who want to have a hive in their yard and uh, be part of a uh, you know a network of people who are sharing and giving bees to each other that's what it's about so and, and I'm doing that the the best and the most natural way that I can see available to me to do Well, this is perfect because last week, the, um, this woman that I interviewed, Joan Gregerson from the Green Team Academy, just had this awesome online Earth Summit um, for Earth Week. And just there were all these amazing speakers and people were able to get into um, like kind of like breakout rooms. But like her thing is called, her podcast is called the Green Team Academy. And she's all about like starting your team and that's exactly what you've done you are like the perfect example of what she's talking about about looking in your community seeing what you can do and connecting with other people don't try to do it alone and so look at you connecting these other 18 people to you or 22 people or but just and making such a difference and and then sharing with my audience so other people will say oh, I didn't know I should even think about having bees. And maybe there's somebody in my community who will, you know, come help me set this up. And and beekeeping can be expensive and can be a challenge. Mike and I have a struggle and we would love to connect with somebody really close by that could kind of like come look at our hives and see what's going wrong when things are challenged. They say like that's a super important thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. When you're starting out because aren't there things that can go wrong and then i love also like do you do treatment free beekeeping like that jacqueline freeman talked about who's also in washington where they're not i don't know she doesn't put any of that to get rid of the mites or what do you do about mites? yep i'm completely as, as well as i can be natural so I, and i'm completely treatment free so i don't i wouldn't do that if i were going to want to help with mites or something i might put some um fresh mint leaves i've heard of natural beekeepers putting fresh mint leaves in there but but really i don't do any treatment and um you know the treatment and the reward is is not touching the hive at all and letting uh you know letting the bees do what they do so yeah i'm i'm in i guess i'm in jacqueline's camp and um and you know there i would comment that no matter how you beekeep. So I, you know, I'm really strong. My opinion is really strong about that. You know, no treatment and all natural, et cetera. And we need an exponential amount of beekeepers. And I personally don't want to exclude anyone from doing beekeeping. And we all need to kind of stick together. So I, I, I don't want to divide anybody, any group, any beekeeping group. Um, Right. So that's, that's good. And I see yep. that because I've noticed that, you know, I want to, I want to be in that camp wholeheartedly, you know, and, and I am spiritually, if I could say that in that camp. And uh, there are a ton of people that, 
could be beekeeping that um, don't want to have to fit into any any certain group. Um, but you know, I'm I'm totally against chemicals in in every just about every context. So, hey, do you want to talk a little bit? You mentioned something about we could talk about what's happening that we need the bees so badly because maybe some of my listeners are like, "What? What's wrong with the bees?" Oh, or, absolutely. I mean, I suppose there could be people out there that don't. Oh, absolutely. It's not. Uh, it's so. And, and and again, I'm just scratching the surface. So you know, I'm. So Linda, I can tell you what I what I know and what I believe to be true. And that is when we, the diff, there's a difference. Okay, here's the difference between honeybees and our nat native pollinators. Honeybees, they came over with the colonizers, so they are not native bees to us. But the little mason bees are. And the little mason bees, there's thousands of species of these little guys, girls. They, um, they are the fantastic pollinators of the world. They will pollinate everything and anything that's got a blooming blossom. And honeybees are, you know, the one, but they don't, the little mason bees, they don't um, store honey the way honeybees do. Okay, so why do we, we just love these honeybees? Because they've got honey and the difference between mason bees and honeybees is that honeybees will go and pollinate one species at a time, okay? That's the difference between mason native pollinators and honeybees. Honeybees will go after, we'll say it's, it's blackberry season, and that's how we know what kind of honey we're eating. Is it blackberry honey? Well, the farmers can look at what kind of pollen they're collecting during that time of year and know that it's blackberry season, and that, you know, the honey then is going to be blackberry honey. So, the, you know, back in the, gosh, I, I forget my dates. I have it in my, my um, presentation, but the, you know, I, if it, maybe the 20s, around the 20s the we decided since honeybees were great at pollinating just one thing farmers we went from local small farming to monocropping because hey by golly by gum you've invented a really great new beehive called the langstroth beehive that's square and it can be packed onto truck beds and shipped all over the country okay and honeybees go after one thing at a time. I have an idea, they said. Let's just monocrop the hell out of everything and we'll put, you know, five miles of, <laughs> of of almonds in, say, and you can stack up a hundred beehives on your truck bed and drive them over here across the country and put them in my almond fields. And won't that be great? And while we're at it, let's eliminate every single flower that's blooming on the property underneath our beautiful almond trees we'll just eliminate everything else so we won't tempt the honeybees to 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 go after anything else while they're here okay well in order to keep a, a system like that alive what do we need to do we need to use a lot of pesticides herbicides fungicides okay so now and and we now created a uh, a need for artificial inseminating artificially inseminating queen bee for, for production so um, those two things happened. We started doing that, but the bees were getting poisoned by the pesticides, you know, being applied to the crops when the bees were there and when the bees aren't there. I mean, it's just toxic. And, you know, and then later we find out that actually if honeybees are after their one source of pollen, but they see other tempting flowers, they'll get the job done faster. So 
the diversity was actually a good thing to have in the in the fields. But uh, that aside, uh, we became dependent on the humans are eating from monocrops. We um, we became dependent on the artificially inseminated, which are, as I said, inbred queens. And we've developed all these new, wonderful herbicide, pesticide things that are just wreaking havoc in the community. So I forget your, what, what I was originally expounding on, but that is the problem that's happening right now with the honeybees is that they have got some pesticide where they'll, they'll leave the hive and they'll just forget where they are and they won't come back home. Um, the neonicotinoids. And then we've got, you know, be, so between that and, and the artificial insemination with a shot brood happening, I mean, there, and the third thing in nature where the male honeybees are derived from unfertilized eggs, you're talking exponential downhill slide here, folks. We need an exponential amount of, and we need an army of beekeepers. We don't need, you know, we don't, that's what we need. Hands down are more beekeepers and more people willing to share and get the job done now. we got to do it now. So time is of the essence, right? So all of these things are an exponential need. We need to do it now. We're late. we got to do this now. We need to get, <laughs> it's just, it's mind boggling. So I'm really glad that, that you asked me to, to talk publicly about this, to encourage other people. Uh, to get something going because we, you know, every day that passes, we there's something we could do toward this end to 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 help out. You nailed it. <laughs> you couldn't answer that better. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, your passion was there. You were eloquent. You just were scientific. Loved it all. That was perfect, and it filled in probably some questions some people might have had. Um, well. Okay, say the website one more time and then I'll let you go because I was late and you've been so kind to deal with my tech and thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Jackie. UrbanEvergreenBeeSanctuary.com and face it's on Facebook. So join the group, say hello, say that you heard the podcast. Um, get in touch and let's talk. If you want bees, I will make, Hey, I'm going to do my best to get you bees at no cost and a beehive. And if you agree to uh, say no to pesticides and uh, to share with your neighbors, then let we're on. We got a deal. Oh, Heather, you're amazing. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day and I will send you the link as soon as this is live. Thanks, Jackie. You have a great day. All right. Actually, I'm going to shut the recording. Thanks. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just... Um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and 
enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.